We're so, so glad to be here. It is such a gift um, to be here. And we brought the weather with us, uh, which, is, which is wonderful because we bought jackets to come here. So I'm going to return those when I get home. Um, hey, uh, just, just to kind of share a little bit of, of, of our context, um, uh, we've known Michael a, a while and, and some of the team here for, for quite a while. And they've been such a gift. Um, and I imagine that's why many of you are here, aren't they? Because these guys have been such a gift to you at some stage in your journey. And um, what we realize is, as we get to go around and tell the stories of our church, what we realize is we get to go because of an amazing home base. Um, if it doesn't happen on Sunday and throughout the week at home, there's nothing to go and give away somewhere else. And um, I, what, what I'd like to just do before, um, before we jump off and, and, and share some of our Commonwealth story, uh, I kind of want to honor Soul Survivor Watford and the home local church here. Um, you, you guys have uh, made such an impact worldwide. You, you don't even... Uh, I can't wait till you get to heaven and you get to see all that God has done through you as you um, have stuck with Mike through some, what I imagine are some really hard years and, uh, and how you have, uh, is this okay? I got my one shot in, we're good. Um, but as, you, as you've, you've given and you've served and you've released leaders, is, is just absolutely incredible. And um, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you on behalf of Southern California and the impact you've had. Um, thank you on behalf of the nations. If you're, if, you're a soul, if you're part of the church here, will you just stand so we can honor you? Um, I just wanna say thank you. That, yes, if you attend here, I don't know if any of you are here. Can we just honor them? Thank you so much. You can sit down, uh, but, but we really mean that from, from the, the bottom of our hearts. We just mean thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we're, we're excited to be here. And Mike kind of asked that we would uh, kind of come and share a little bit of our journey with you as a church plant. And um, uh, I, I don't know about you, but anybody just, you're a little tired? And not like it's after lunch tired, but you're just a little soul tired. Um, you're, you feel a little beat up if you're in ministry maybe, um, or, or, or you're, you're just a believer who, who's in the workplace shined and you, you just feel a little beat up, a little bit tired. Is that anybody besides me in the room? Do you know that's like absolutely normal because we're born in the middle of a war? Like you are born in the middle of a battle. You're in this battle between light and dark. And uh, we, what I'm learning is when we're out of place, we get beat up the most. Um, when I'm out of position, I get tired the most. And what we're realizing is, is when the church is positioned to go and serve and bless the city, we don't get as tired and we don't get as beat up uh, when we kind of begin to realize that uh, I need to step in the victory that's already mine because of Jesus. And what I get to do now is go and turn my life and my heart outward and go and extend his victory to people don't realize that they get to step into Jesus's victory. And what I wanna kinda of share a little bit is our journey. I wanna give you a little bit of context for who we are and then just tell you stories. Um, and uh, for us, we're, we'll celebrate two years as a church in a week. I don't know, that we're, we'll be two years, we made it. Um, every Sunday is a big victory in a church plant, I'll tell you what. Um, but we'll, we'll, be, we'll be two years old and uh, it, we, we moved to San Diego. A little bit of context, how we ended up there. We were on a big staff uh, of a church in Orange County and uh, we, we knew that we had to leave at some point and go plant a church, but we wanted to experience something new and something different so we didn't just replicate who we were and react to the stuff that we'd liked or didn't like and just replicate it. We wanted to go have another experience, so we ended up in Northern Ireland um, at Causeway Coast Vineyard. Um, they didn't tell us that it rained, and we didn't know that Ireland was two countries, the, Island, the Republic and Northern Ireland, because we're Americans and we don't do geography. Um, it's true. And... Uh, we, we uh, kind of landed into that place, uh, kind of beat up, kind of tired, and um, met with Jesus in some remarkable ways that restored kind of our, 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 our hearts, our lives, gave us some energy to run again. And we landed in San Diego in July 2016, and uh, we landed in a city where we didn't know anybody except two other people, and we sat in our living room with a glass of wine. Can, can you do wine in, as Christians here? Good, good, good. America, you can't. You get burned at the stake. Um, we, we, we sat with a few other Christians, uh, four other people in our living room, and said, let's see if we can plant a church. And uh, uh, we, we began just to go set out to plant a church. And San Diego's a unique city where it's probably 1.5% church, which means uh, anywhere you go that week, you're probably the only Christian that stepped foot 
Any, the only follower of Jesus has stepped foot in that coffee shop, that grocery store all week. Um, and, and so we realized really quickly that we can have great branding, we have great marketing, and no one's ever gonna show up. And that God could be in the building every week, but because it's one and a half percent churched in our city, no one will actually know that he's there. And so we realized really quickly that we had to begin to turn our hearts and our life outward um, and begin to bless the city. And so we're two years in, we're, we run about 130, 140, counting kids, pregnant women in the scene, eye dogs in the congregation, um, on a good day with the wind at our back. And um, in, in our two years, we've seen over 2,500 people come to faith on the streets. Um, we don't know how to get them in the church. We're working on that. Um, we, we say we have the biggest church in the world that they just don't know it yet. Um, we're working on it. But uh, what I want to do is I want to tell you our stories um, because we, we have a little bit of a unique journey as a church. And uh, we tell stories every week in our church. And we don't tell any stories that are older than seven days because we want to talk about what God's doing today and not what he did a long time ago. Uh, so we're not allowed to tell stories older than seven days. I'm going to break my own rule because none of you have heard my stories before. But don't tell my church back home. Is that okay? Uh, we tell stories for a few reasons. We, we, we tell stories because stories show us what's available. Uh, when I tell a story about what God did in, in, in someone, then you know that God will do that in you because God doesn't play favorites. Uh, we tell stories as our primary mode of training people because we're a church plant. That means, that means you're poor and people only want to come once a week if you're a church plant. So what, we're, what we've done, we've realized is we have to figure out how do we train people how to do the stuff when they won't come to a conference for four days, nor could we afford to put one on, right? So we've got to figure out how can we begin to train people. So we begin to train people through storytelling. And what, what's funny about that is this is what Jesus did, isn't it? Jesus entrusted his kingdom to a group of storytellers, he takes these disciples and he says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then he begins to entrust them with the story of the kingdom. He begins to entrust them with the story of salvation. He begins to entrust with them the story of making all things new, all things well. He begins to entrust them with the story of healing. And uh, so as I tell stories today, what I hope happens for you is you actually begin to have some things connect for you about what's made available for you. Um, because our church is 75% uh, new to faith. Uh, which means they know nothing, not even to tithe. They don't know anything. So our, we're on this journey of, of, of taking them and, and getting them released to do this stuff as you're, you're kind of building the plane as it's taken off down the runway. Uh, so what I want to do is tell you stories. And uh, a principle we have for us is, is we, we, we talk about Deuteronomy 29, 29. And uh, book of Deuteronomy chapter 29, uh, uh, Moses is making his fourth and final address to the Israelites he's, as they're about to enter the promised land and he's about to croak. And uh, he begins to tell them uh, how that they can uh, remain blessed and not cursed as they enter the promised land. And, and there's all these things, instructions around blessing and all these instructions around cursing. And then you get to this little verse, uh, the end of chapter 29, verse 29, and it's hidden. And it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. So what happens with revelation is ownership for the church. As you hear a story and you get revelation of what Jesus will do, you can begin to take ownership of that for yourself as you step out somewhere else. So when we tell stories, it shows you what's made available, but also as we tell stories, we often see people healed of the conditions that we tell the story about. Isn't that good news? So that was like an amen moment. I know I'm American, but like in America, they, they stand up and clap and wave white hankies. Um, the Chicago guys get it. Um, but, but Jesus is so kind and Jesus is so good that when we begin to tell the testimony of what he's done in somebody else, people in the room get to receive what he's done in somebody else. So just to, to illustrate that point, we, we were in a meeting uh, kind of like this a few months ago, and we were beginning to tell the story of, of this woman who uh, we approached on the streets, and as we approached her, the Lord began to speak and said that she had the name Isabel tattooed on her wrist. But how do you approach someone and ask them if they have the name Isabel tattooed on your wrist? And she looked a little rough. She had, she had tattoos everywhere, so it's a good chance she had a tattoo on her wrist, and she had gauges in her ears, and you're walking up, and you're a little nervous to approach her, and as you approach her, and uh, we, we kind of suck up the courage, and and we say, excuse me, um, can we pray for you? He says, no. And you're like, oh, wrong opening line, right? So then you, then you say, can I ask you a question? She says, yeah. I say, hey, do, you, do you happen to have a tattoo on your wrist? And she says, um, yeah. I say, can we see it? She says, no. 
And we're trying to figure out what do you do here? And we say, uh, God told us that you have a name tattooed on your wrist. It's the name Isabel. And her jaw drops and then our jaw drops. And like, I kind of had a salvation moment because I realized like God does speak today. <laughs> and then I feel like the father say, hey, that's her daughter that she lost two years ago. Tell her I want to bring healing into her life. So you kind of have to like make the move, right? So, so you kind of go, hey, can I ask you another question? And she says, um, sure, you've already asked me one and you were right. And, and we, we said, hey, uh, any chance that that's your daughter that just passed away? And she goes, and she just starts crying. Like floodgates open. She goes, it's my daughter, she passed away two years ago and my life's been a mess ever since. I'm addicted and she'd started listening to all these drugs. And at this point, you kind of don't know what to do because it's an awkward moment because you're in the middle of a shopping mall She's crying, she looks rough, I'm scared, and, 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 and you just don't know what to do, so I, I just say, hey, can I please pray for you? And what I noticed when she pulled up to show us the name tattooed across her wrist, that she had self-harm scars all over her arm. And I don't know why, it's probably one of the dumbest moments of my life, but I said, I'm gonna pray that Jesus will take those self-harm scars off your arm. And she laughed at me, she said, sure, sure. And so as we began to pray, um, I prayed with my eyes, as closed as they'll ever be closed, as hard as I could. We begin to pray for her, and as we pray, uh, the scars begin to dissolve on her arm. And as we pray, she just starts crying. And what she says is, 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 is and we ask her, how you feel? And she says, I just feel like shame is melting away. I feel like shame is melting away. And then she pulls out her other arm and asks us to pray. <sighs> right? Begin to pray for her other arm, and, and, and there's no movement. I pray Baptist prayers, I pray Presbyterian prayers, I pray Catholic prayers. I'm praying every kind of prayer I can think of in this moment, and there's no movement. And she can tell we're getting a little frustrated, and, and, and then we get start praying American prayers, which means you just yell, and um, <laughs> there's no movement at all. And uh, she goes, hey, it's okay. I can tell people that I met Jesus, and this is what he's done for me. And then I'm a wreck, right? That's just what happens. But I told you that story to tell you this story, that we were in a gathering just like this, and we tell that story, and there's a girl sitting on the front row that, that gets up and runs to the bathroom, and I'm a little freaked out because I think I offended her. I didn't know if I was being racist or what happened. And she runs away, and what she did is she ran to the bathroom to check because at one point at age 13, she took a knife, stuck it in her side, and tried to kill herself by cutting across her gut. As we told that story about God healing self-armed uh, uh, scars, her scar began to disappear and she went in the bathroom and it was completely gone. So when I tell you stories today, I don't just tell you stories um, to, to share about what God's doing in us, though we love it, we're so grateful for what he's doing. I tell stories because there's revelation for you for healing. In every story, there's something hidden of the Father in it for you. Every story we tell you today is, is a little bit of who he is. It's a little bit of his nature, and there's a little bit of what he does. And, and my hope is, as we tell you stories from, from everyday servants who step onto the street looking to bless the city, you'll kind of get some courage to step out and try a little bit. Because um, God's, the next move uh, of God is not in the church, it's of the church, isn't it? And, and everywhere we go, people are looking, how do we get, begin to take the works of God on the streets? And that, that's all I want to do. Is that okay? Can we go on a little journey? Carrie, can you help me at any point? Oh, I got, a, I got a good wife. Cool. I got to look and see what stories I'm supposed to tell. So we, we, we've got a church full of, of new believers. 75% of them don't know if Jesus and Moses are brothers or what. And we're just trying to take them on a little bit of journey of giving them some context, getting them entered into the story and figuring out what to do. And um, uh, so I, I tell you that because I don't want you to hear the stories and think that these guys are professionals. I don't want you to hear these stories and think these people have been hanging around church for ages. Uh, most of these stories I'm gonna tell you are people who have just stepped into the story. And what I'm also gonna do with the story is I'm gonna give you a little bit of a principle for us as a community of, of, of what, why, why we've stepped into things and what the principle is behind the story. Are we okay? First one is the kingdom of God belongs to those who show up. My mentor, Don Williams, said, hey, if you wanna be an active player in the kingdom, you just have to show up. And so as we planted our church, uh, long before we launched a public gathering, we decided we wanted to get on the streets and pray for healing. So we bought a big sign that says healing, and we took these three or four chairs, and we went to this big park. It's like Central Park. It's called Balboa Park in the middle of San Diego. It's the heart of our city. And we lay out these chairs and the sign that said healing. The first week we did it, we put out four chairs, but there was only three of us on the team, but we thought, okay, we got big faith. Maybe God will grow our team today. He didn't. And uh, 
we made the really big mistake of showing up that first week without scouting at all. So we show up the first Sunday and we, we, we get there super early and we, we pick our spot, you know, in the park, the perfect traffic spot where everybody's gonna pass. And we set up our four chairs and we put up our big sign that says healing and we hand out these flyers that say God loves you and wants to heal you. And uh, about 15 minutes after we set up, this man comes around the corner pulling uh, uh, all of his tents and chairs and, and he just looks at us and he says, hey, you're my spot. And, and so we, we try to be the kind, friendly Christian guys. And we're like, hey, we, we're happy to move. And he kind of comes and he starts looking at our sign. And he goes, no, you know what? You're going to be okay. You, you can stay there. I'm just going to sit up right across from you. And I said, okay, that's fine. We like friends. We're trying to make friends. You can be part of our church. Join us. So about 12 feet, of, 12 feet across from us, from, from me to you, he, he, he begins to set up. And uh, much to our surprise and if our honest horror, he hangs this sign that says, begin a personal relationship with reason. And this is the atheist outreach group that have done this every Saturday and Sunday for 18 years in our, the spot we set up in. And this was our welcome to San Diego. And I thought, this church plan is never even going to get off the ground. Like, we're never even gonna get this thing off the ground. And uh, we made an agreement with, with the Lord before we started that if we pray for one person, we'll come back the next week. And uh, so that morning, we're, we're out there, and people are coming, and they're looking at our sign, and they're looking at the atheist, and they're going, oh. And they all walk away laughing, and nobody will sit in the chair. And we're about 10 minutes from it ending, and if I'm really honest, I'm like, oh, thank Lord, we don't ever have to come back. This is it. Like, you didn't put anybody in the chair? We never have to come back. And sure enough, there comes around the corner this little lady with a walking stick, hunched over almost at a 90 degree angle. And she literally stops between their sign and our sign and does one of these. And she kind of looks at them and then looks at us. And I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, can we pray for you? And she sits down and the girls pray for her. And I'm sitting there going like, Lord, you have to heal this girl. Like, please. Like, we don't have a, and like all the atheists at this point are standing up and watching. And you can hear him laughing, and, and it's really kind of this moment of you're like, we didn't have a reputation in the city, and I guess we're never going to have one. And uh, this little old lady gets uh, prayed for for about 30 seconds by the two girls, and it, they, they, they pray their best prayer. One of them had never prayed for healing before that morning for anybody ever. And uh, the little old lady gets up, stands straight up, hands us her cane, and walks away. <laughs> Completely healed. So I'm thinking, this is my moment. I'm gonna get my soapbox out and these guys are all gonna come to faith. And they just go, oh, that was planned, right? That, 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 they just think it was planned. So, so we, we, we're getting ready, we tear down and we're like, okay, Lord, we'll come back next week. This little lady got prayed for, she got healed, amazing. And Rob, who's the lead atheist, who's kind of become a little bit of a friend of mine, uh, he walks over to me as we go uh, begin to leave and he goes, hey, you know what? I think you guys are absolutely crazy. I think you believe in a bunch of rubbish. I think that lady was probably fake. But I want you to know, like, what I actually really love and appreciate about you guys is I've never seen Christians who back up what they say they believe. So if you ever have problems in the park, you come let me know. And you can have our spot if you want it. Atheist outreach group. <laughs> These guys are militant in our city, but here they are becoming friends with us because we have enough gumption to actually do something about what we say we believe. Uh, and, and the kingdom belongs to those who show up. Uh, so we, we showed up the next week and the next week and the next week and God kept putting people in the chairs. And just so you don't think we pray for droves of people, some weeks we stand out there for two, three hours in the sunshine because we don't have rain. And, and we pray for like three people, but we go home. And our whole job is just to show up and we, we, we've seen people come to faith and we've seen people get healed and we've seen people just get blessed and we've seen people added to our community by us just showing up because the kingdom of God belongs to those who show up. Uh, there's this college student named Tiffany who, um, we love Tiffany. Tiffany, I'm one of her biggest fans. Tiffany uh, was this girl that, that would walk through the park alone by herself in a hooded sweatshirt and she would come and she would stare at our healing signs and, and not engage with it at all. And all of us would try to talk to her and she wasn't into it. And then finally my wife who, um, I mean if I was Tiffany, I'd talk to my wife. And she, she, she finally kind of breaks in with this girl Tiffany and just says, hey, would you wanna come sit in the chair? She goes, no, you guys are crazy. And then Carrie decides to push past the awkward moment and continue in conversation with this girl, Tiffany. And Tiffany uh, begins to talk about how depressed she is and how lonely she is. So Carrie goes, oh, we're a church. 
come, come to church. You'll make lots of friends, and we're happy, and come hang out with us. And, and Tiffany says, no, I'm not interested. And, and Carrie just realizes this girl needs friends. So she says, hey, why, why don't you come to our setup for church on Friday night? And she says, no, I'm not interested in that. Pack up our stuff. We come back the next week. Who's waiting for us as we unpack our stuff for HOTS? It's Tiffany the next week. And uh, we begin the same conversation with her. And this happens week after week after week. We have these conversations with Tiffany about sitting in the chair or coming to church, and she's not interested. And finally, Carrie says, hey, why don't you come join me uh, on a Friday night as we set up for church? How many of you guys do set up and tear down church? Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. It's awful, isn't it? Um, but, but we, we have like church in the box, so you have to set everything up for church. It takes time, and it takes people. So we invite this girl Tiffany to come, not knowing that she, we're actually just asking her to come do a job, but knowing that she's gonna make some friends as she does a job. So she shows up, and she comes on Friday nights to set up for weeks and weeks and weeks. For the first week, she stands in the corner and watches, and then after a little bit, she'll, she kind of gets engaged and starts to work, but she won't cross the line to come to church on a Sunday because she doesn't do church. But what happens is our team's nice to her and they take her out to dinner and they hang out with her and they, they, they just show up in her life because the kingdom belongs to those who show up. And Tiffany eventually decides to start coming on Sunday morning, but she won't come to church. But we do this thing for the guys that serve in our church called Dream Team Chapel that we do this chapel before service, which is like short preaching, short message and prayer. So she decides to start coming to that, but she won't come to church. So she's sitting in Dream Team Chapel week after week after week. And then finally she decides, you know, I think I'll stay for service this week. And Tiffany stays for service. The next week she shows up to Dream Team Chapel and I'm sitting there with my Dream Team and I decide to give a salvation call to our team. And Tiffany stands up and gives her life to Jesus. Yeah. Tiffany gets saved into a culture that says the kingdom of God belongs to those show, who show up and Tiffany begins just to show up in her friend's life talking about how she's no longer depressed, she's no longer anxious, anxious that her thought life's different and that she has a ton of friends. And all of a sudden what we begin to see happen is we, she's now brought 20 college students from her university that have come to faith in our gathering environments because she decided just to show up in their life. The kingdom of God belongs to those who show up. We, we show up again and week after week in the park and one week we're, we're sitting there in the park in Balboa Park and it's raining in San Diego. The one day of the year it does it. And we're ready to pack it in. I don't wanna be out in the rain. And sure enough, there's, there's this guy walking with a woman and a little boy and um, this will be my last story from Hots and I'll get into some scattered servant stuff. And this man walks down uh, towards us and um, he, he's, he's rough shape, right? He, he's got the F word tattooed across his forehead. He's tattooed everywhere. Um, his, his girlfriend, his wife, I don't know who she is. She, she looks a little rough and they got this cute little kid bouncing around and he's limping and he's got crutches on and this massive brace around his knee under his pants. And we begin to engage him in a conversation and we ask him, hey, would you like to sit in the chair and get prayed for? And he says, oh, I'm not interested in prayer. And we asked him, well, what, what happened to you? And so he had just got out of prison two weeks ago. And when he got out of prison, uh, what happened is he rolled over on some gang members to get out of prison. And when he gets out of prison, the, the, the gang members he rolled over on, their friends, jumped him. And when he got jumped, he tore his ACL, MCL, PCL. He got, they let a pit bull all over him, just bit him to pieces. He had dog bites all over. And he got beaten in the head so bad that he had brain aneurysm. And he says, prayer won't help me. And I said, well... It doesn't look like anything's really helping you. Do you have anything to lose if you sit in the chair? And she kind of nudges him and he comes, sits in the chair and we, we get our team to kneel around him. There's like four of us praying for him. And as we're praying for him, this guy named Joey says he can feel things begin to shift under the guy's knee. And it freaked Joey out a little bit, right? Joey's like, oh, is that a demon? I don't know. It's a joke. <laughs> but Joey gets a little scared and then all of a sudden this guy shoots up out of his chair and starts yelling the F word. And we're not talking faith. <laughs> and that's an awkward moment in the park, isn't it? The healing prayer people have a guy yelling the F word. It's a little bit awkward. And, and he starts to unbutton his pants because he wants to take his pants off because he's got this brace under. So we like grab his pants, like, please don't take off your pants right here. Because he wants to check his knee out. And we say, hey, go, take, go, go to the bathroom and take your brace off. And he comes out of the bathroom in full sprint, jumping up and down. His knee got completely healed. ACL, MCL, PCL, completely healed as we prayed for him. If you have an injured uh, knee right now in the room, be healed in Jesus' name. But as, as he, be healed in Jesus' name. As he gets prayed for, 
He gets healed, right? Doesn't believe in, the, believe in prayer, doesn't have any faith, doesn't want to sit in the chair, gets completely healed. And uh, we, so we're talking to him and, he, and he, he grabs me by the shirt. He goes, hey, pastor. And I'm like, okay. He goes, pray for my brain. It got really blanked up. So he sits in the chair and we begin to pray for, I think he probably had brain problems before, but we begin to pray for his brain. <laughs> and uh, as we're praying for his brain, he said he can feel things physically shifting in his brain. He has no paradigm for this. Uh, three weeks later, we get an email from, from his parole officer and his doctor, and his knee was completely healed, and his brain had no signs of any trauma. The kingdom of God belongs to those who show up. We just show up in the park. None of us are trained very well. <laughs> None of us know what we're doing. We just show up. The kingdom of God belongs to those who show up. Uh, I want to tell you uh, another fun story. Uh, we, before we launched our church, we, we, we hosted this conference in a town called, called Pomona. Um, if you've ever heard of it, I'm sorry. Pomona is like the armpit of California. Um, they know it if they live there. Uh, but we, we went and we did this conference at a church there. And uh, we, we do these conferences and we, we train people how to pray for healing and go on the streets and share your faith and, and do this stuff. And then at the end of the conference, we team everybody up and we send them out for an hour and then have them come back and tell the stories. And um, being the leader that I am, I decided to take the guy that nobody wanted on their team. His name was Ernest. He's become a friend. So I get paired off with Ernie, and we've done all this training about kindness evangelism and generosity, and uh, I get stuck with Ernie, and, and me and Ernie head out on the streets, and I'm thinking, okay, Ernie, give it a bash. Let's see how you're doing. And he makes his first approach, and he goes, hey, have you been covered with the blood of Jesus yet? And I'm like, oh, gosh. I've got an I'm, I'm stuck with this man for an hour. And, and literally for an hour, that's all he did. He learned nothing the whole day. I wanted to give him a refund. Conference ended, I was so happy to get out of there and never see Ernie again. Uh, we launch our church, two weeks, the second weekend, I'm in the middle of my preach and I see him walk in the back door and my stomach just begins to turn. We're about two hours away from his hometown, I'm just going, oh Lord, please no. Don't bring this man here. <laughs> we need it, we're a church plant praying people not to come. And, and Ernie comes and, he, and service ends, thankfully he waited for service to end and he walks up to me after and uh, he dumps a bag of socks at my feet, and I'm like, this dude is nuts. And I said, okay, Ernie, what, what are those? And he goes, I want you to pray for them. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. Are they yours or what? And he goes, Acts 19, and I'm going, okay, I'm a pastor, Acts 19, Acts 19, Acts 19. <laughs> okay, Paul prayed for handkerchiefs, and they took him to the sick, and the sick became well. And he says, we pray for these socks. So I, 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 I gotta be really honest, I had zero faith for it, right? <laughs> they weren't even clean socks, I'm pretty sure. So I, I grab a couple guys, and I, I excuse myself from the situation. I grab a couple of our team, like, guys, pray, pray with my friend Ernie here. I got to go deal to some important stuff. And so they pray over these socks for Ernie, and uh, Ernie packs them up, and he takes them home, and then we never hear from Ernie again, and we feel really good about it. And uh, a few weeks, months go by, I think it's two months go by, and he shows up to a 7 a.m. women's Bible study. which means he left his house at 5 a.m. And he shows up to this women's Bible study. He can't remember our church name, and it's in the coffee shop, and he throws handkerchiefs on the table, and he goes, you must be from Nick and Carrie's church. And they're like, yeah. And you gotta remember, none of these girls, they just all come to faith except the one girl leading. So the one girl's leading is like, oh no. Like, we should call the police. So he, they're like, well, we're happy to pray over these handkerchiefs, but, but why? And, and he goes on to tell this story of he took a pair of socks to a man who'd been in a coma for three months. They put the socks on the man's feet and the person wakes up instantly. All right, let's try that again. He'd been in a coma for three months. They put the socks on and the man wakes up instantly. See, because Ernie understands that God will use anything when it's done in faith. God, God, God will do anything when it's, will use anything when it's done in faith. So Ernie, uh, the girls then kind of 
pray over these handkerchiefs and, and he takes them away and we don't see Ernie again. And this time we're a little sad we haven't seen Ernie again, right? Because when he shows up, a good story shows up. And Ernie shows up a few uh, months later. Uh, he actually comes to Hots with another bag of socks and handkerchiefs. And we sit in a chair and I say, Ernie, we'll all pray, but you just have to give us a story. Turns out he, he, he uh, had a woman in his church whose husband had heart disease and, and they kind of said, hey, you got probably about two months left to live. And his wife uh, was uh, a sweet woman, believer, follower of Jesus, but he was not hard atheist man his whole life. Uh, so she, what she did is she took his handkerchief and in, in faith stuck it under his pillow. Didn't tell him. He slept on it for three nights and then had a doctor's appointment. Goes to the doctor and the doctor says, I don't know what's happened, but your heart is completely well. Because God will use anything done in faith. And we can't wait for Ernie to come back with the next ones, right? That's the whole deal. Um, we're having fun planning a church. We, we, we got a small gathering. Our preaching's not great, as you could tell. We've got pretty killer worship, which is fun. Um, but what we've had happen now is, is our church doesn't show up for the story. They show up with a story. And you can almost grab anybody in our community on a Sunday morning, and they can give you a story of how they stepped out in faith. And we've got a lot of stories where we stepped out and absolutely missed it. But we've got a lot of stories of God just using the simple stuff um, to break in. And, and one of my favorite things that we're seeing in our community right now is... Um, our crew has began to lay hold of generosity opening doors. They just realized that generosity will open doors to people's hearts. Generosity will open the doors to corners and parts of our city that we long to go in and minister to. Uh, generosity will open uh, the darkest corner of our city. Um, and, and so what we've done in our church, we just show up and we just be generous. Um, our, our guys just show up and be generous. And uh, one of my favorite stories around generosity with this guy in our church named Patrick and um, Patrick is, is at the mall. He's at a fancy mall. We've got like a fancy mall and then we've got like a not fancy mall. He's at the fancy mall and he, he's walking around and he's walking up to people and he says, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? And uh, people are saying, no, 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 no. And then finally this guy goes, yeah, I'll let you pray for me. And Patrick goes, what can I pray for you for? And he goes, oh, I, you know, I need money. Like, could you pray that God gives me money? And Patrick goes, I would love to pray for that. But before I pray for you, I, I wanna give you this, this $100 bill because I, I want to be part of the provision. Patrick's first year teacher, he doesn't make that much money, but he decides I'm going to sell $100 into this guy. The guy takes 100 bucks. The guy goes, I needed $88. I don't even need your prayer anymore. And he walks away. <laughs> Discouragement zone right there, right? Patrick's going, man, I just gave away $100 that I didn't even get to pray. This is the worst deal. It's like backward televangelism. So he... So, so Patrick, Patrick leaves, that guy leaves kind of just depressed. He's like, oh man, so none of us give him money. We tell him you learned your lesson. You pray for him before you give him money next time. Um, six months later, uh, our friend Joel is on the other side of town. And what I mean by the other side of town, not only is it 30 minutes away, it's the poorest neighborhood in San Diego. And Joel is going around asking people if he can pray for him. And Joel approaches this man. And as Joel approaches the man, he says, hey, my name's Joel. I'm just out learning how to pray for people. Could I please pray for you? The man looks at him and goes, I've heard this before. And, and Joel has no idea, right? So Joel goes, well, I'd love to pray for you. My church, we, we, we go around, we love to pray for people and bless people. And, 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 and could I pray for you? And the man just starts crying. And he says, hey, I, I had this great need in my life. And a guy walked up, asked if I could pray for him and gave me $100. Will you please pray for me? So Joel begins to pray for him. The Holy Spirit begins to move. The man opens his heart to Jesus and gives his life to Jesus. Because generosity opens doors. We, we were at a conference uh, in Pomona again. Um, we do Pomona a lot. That's fun. Uh, we were at this conference in Pomona. Uh, it was probably six months ago, which had been like a year and a half after the first one. And what we basically did is we went and just told generosity stories for the first session. Then we said, I want you to go out to the city and be generous. And uh, so some of our team went and we met up with this other church and we were going out into the shopping center and what they did, they went to Walmart and they just began to give out $100 bills in Walmart. I think they gave out like $600 bills. Um, and, and do you know how many people came to faith at Walmart that day? 22 people came to faith at Walmart because we paid for them to come to faith, right? 
No, that's not how it works. But generosity catches people's attention. Do you know most people don't know God's good until they taste it of his generosity? People don't understand the goodness of God until they taste it of radical generosity. That's why I never trust a, a tight-walleted Christian because they haven't understood the generosity and the goodness of God yet. Like once you taste and see how good he is, you can't help but be generous. You can't help but give it away. You can't help but realize that generosity is gonna begin to open doors in your city and open doors in your church. So we're, we're having our second birthday party, right? We're, we're a poor little church plant. And you know what we're doing? When you go to a birthday party, you get gifts, right? In America, we open the gifts at the party. And you guys here, when you get gifts, you don't open them until everybody leaves, right? But we open the gifts at the party. So we, we've decided rather than people bring the gifts, we're gonna give them gifts when they come and we're gonna open them while they're there because we're Americans, that's what you do. <laughs> and so what we've decided is we're just gonna give everybody a $10 gift card to go and bless the city. We're gonna, have, we're gonna give them a $10 gift card. You show up, come to our church if you need 10 bucks. It's, it's yes, come on. We're, we're gonna give everybody a $10 gift card to go out and just sow generosity into our city and I promise you the return on that generosity is just gonna be, we're just gonna see people come faith left, right, and center. And, and, and if you're tired, you feel beat up, um, you're born in the middle of a battle and you might be tired and beat up because you're just in the wrong position in this battle and you're letting yourself get beat up when the victory's actually already yours. You get to stand in Jesus's victory and you need to re begin to reposition your heart, your mind and life to go and save those that are getting beat up in the battle. You take a lot less hits as you're going to save people than if you're waiting to be saved when you've already been saved. Some of you have been praying prayers that Jesus is just waiting for you to answer. Um, we, we, um, we, we, we tell stories because if you hear it once, it's yours forever. You've seen it once, it's yours forever. So everything I've just told you about is now yours. You have authority to go and do it, right? You have that one moment where you're in the room and you hear the story, you're in that one place and you see somebody healed or you're in that one, one moment where Wayne Drain gives somebody a prophetic word and wrecks them, that's now yours forever which means you get to go and do that. You've seen it once, it's yours forever. And, and, and so for us, we, we, we're just trying to get our church to understand that, and we, we tell them if you've seen it in the book, then it's yours forever. Everything that Jesus did, you get to go do. You've seen it once, it's yours forever. So um, we, we had a guy out in the streets, I'm going through downtown San Diego a few weeks ago, or months ago, and um, he walks up to this man, and he walks up and says, hey, my, I'm out learning how to pray for people, can I please pray for you? And the man uh, says, I've, I've, I've got a paralyzed hand. It's been paralyzed for 23 years. I got shot when I was a teenager and the bolt's actually still lodged in, in my back and it's cut off the nerves and I, my, my hand's paralyzed. Could you play, pray for me? And how many of you know that's the moment where your, your palms start to sweat and your mouth gets a little dry? Like paralyzed, hoping he's asked for provision. We can at least give you money. But he, he wants to be healed, right, of, of paralysis. So, so our buddy decides, all right, I'm gonna muscle up and pray for paralysis. And um, as he prays for the man, he gets a word of knowledge about um, uh, bitterness and unforgiveness and says, hey, I just feel like God says, hey, if you're willing to forgive the man that shot you, he'll heal you. That's a scary thing to say out loud, right? And the man said, I've held it for far too long. Will you help me do that? So they pray a little, as they say in Northern Ireland, a wee prayer. And... And as they finish the prayer, the man's hand begins to open and stretches out. Paralysis completely healed. The man, oh, no, no, hold on, hold on, we're not there yet. I'll tell you when, it's a really good one. You're gonna love it. We're just not there yet. The man begins to check his back and the bullet that was lodged in his nerve is gone. The metal's completely dissolved out of his back. Yeah, Jesus, right? Only Jesus. So G Joel's like, oh, that was amazing. Leads the guy to faith and then begins to go on his way and uh, gets down two blocks and approaches this man. He says, hey, I'm out on the streets learning how to pray for people. Could I please pray for you? And this man goes, hey, I have a paralyzed hand. Two blocks. Joel goes, can I take you to meet somebody real quick? And the guy's like, I just met you. This is crazy. You'll get it. There we go. So he, so he says, right, let, me, let, me, let me introduce you to somebody. So Joel grabs this man by the shirt and goes and finds the man he just prayed for for his hand paralysis to be healed. And the man tells him that he was just healed of hand paralysis while this man has paralyzed hand. And so Joel, Joel just goes, hey, could we pray for your hand to be healed? And, and, and Joel knows if he's seen it once, it's his forever. If he's seen it once, he can do it again because Jesus doesn't play favorites. His power doesn't change. 
If you've seen it once, it's yours forever. So, so, so they begin to pray. And what I love is, is Joel realizes that if he gets this man to pray, this man will see the kingdom of God extended his own hands rather than him witnessing Joel do it. And how many of you know when you start to train people in this stuff, the anointing just goes through the roof? Like you wanna see this stuff advance in your life, just start training people. You might not know what you're doing, just say, hey, come, I'll train you how to do this. And then you throw them to the deep end and it's just, they're gonna watch you do amazing things and they're gonna do amazing things because anointing always goes up when you train because God's kind. And so Joel gets this man to pray. The man's hand opens up. There's two paralyzed hands that's open up within two blocks and the man gives his life to Jesus. Yeah, that's it. That's a good one. Because if you've seen it once, it's yours forever. We have this guy in our church named Matt. Matt's an EMT. Uh, the ambulance, he, 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 they go and pick up sick people, right? And take them to the hospital. And he's been in our church for two weeks. And in two weeks, uh, he sits in a chair and he hears us tell stories of medical professionals praying for patients. And uh, he, he gets in his paramedics and he just uh, sits in the back of there and he gets this woman that they load in and they're taking her to the hospital and she's, she's, she's headed for a dialysis for, for diabetes. And um, Matt has never prayed for anyone out loud before in his life, not in his family, not in church, not anywhere. But he's heard these two stories of God using medical professionals to heal patients and he goes, I think I have to do this. And then he realizes if you've seen it once, it's yours forever. So he begins to lay hands and pray for this woman. And we actually don't know the outcome, whether she was healed or not. I hope she is. But what actually is the biggest win is the effort. Is him sitting in the back of the paramedics realizing like, I've heard these guys do it. Surely I can do it. The kingdom belongs to those who show up. A little risk goes a really long ways. And he just begins to pray. And now Matt prays for every person that gets in the back of his paramedics. And, and this is the thing that we love about what God's doing in our communities. It's not the professionals. It's not the people that are paid to be Christians. It's, it's the everyday, everyone, everywhere, as our friend Alan Scott would say, isn't it? It's the people that just show up in their everyday life looking for what God's up to, walking into every environment saying, Father, what are you up to and how do you want to love your kids here? And he just begins to move. And kind of one of our favorite principles, and maybe this will be my last one. I don't know what time we're done. I could tell stories until the 10 p.m. if you'd like. Um, I won't. Uh, we, we, one of our principles are, uh, at our church is we've just decided we're gonna be a church that follows favor rather than trying to create it. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not the smartest. Um, I'm not the most clever. I'm not the most articulate. Um, and I realized like, if we tried to do what everybody else did, we would do it a lot worse than they've ever done it. And if we actually want to like step into what God has for us, we actually be, need to begin to look at the favor that's on us and follow that favor rather than try to create it. Um, so so we've, we've, we're trying to learn to be a people that follow favor rather than just go and create stuff because we know if, if we're following what he's doing, he'll sustain it, but if we create it, we have to sustain it. Um, so we're, we're trying to teach our people to begin to recognize the favor of God in their life. And there's this unique thing happening in our church, our church of 130, 140, 150. We've got like 30 medical professionals in our church. Um, they carry us financially. God bless them. Um, but but we, we're, we're in this little church, but we have this abnormal number of medical professionals, don't we? So we decide we're going to start investing in them, getting them to learn to minister in power and train other people to do it. And um, we, we can tell you story after story. Hey, Tom, did you those pictures get loaded up? Oh, good. Uh, Caesar, stand up real quick. So this is my friend Caesar. Can we all say hi, Caesar? Um, girls, if you're single and you want a visa in the U.S., Caesar's single. If you're a worship leader, you preach, and you're a female, we highly recommend Caesar. We would love to have you at Commonwealth. Anyways, um, so we, 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 we've been training this. I'm so sorry. He'll never go on a trip with me again. Uh, we, so we're starting to train people to, to be metal, to, to follow favor in their workplace. And so Caesar works at a, a clinic that if you're too sick to go home, but you've been in the hospital too long, you've got to go to this facility. And they do everything from dementia Alzheimer's to... Um, diabetes, like they do all kinds of different care, and um, Caesar's just a general nurse there, and uh, the way funding works for these places in the U.S. is they have to have certain scores um, to get funding from the state, and they're about to lose their funding because their scores for wound care are pretty low. 
Um, they're, they're just low scores. So the, 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 the administrator at the hospital is like looking at all the data, trying to figure out how do we get our scores for, for wound care up? So Caesar um, uh, realizes that everywhere he goes, the odds change when he enters the room. Uh, so he goes in and prays for his patients and whatever. And as they begin to look at the data from, from, uh, from all their nurses and all their people, they realize that the people that Caesar treats, the patients that Caesar treats, get char- discharged a whole lot faster than the rest of the nurses. They don't realize it's the Lord because they're just looking at hard data. So they go, okay, you know what? We're going we're gonna to move Caesar to wound care and see if it happens. And sure enough, Wounds start healing faster and faster and faster and faster. And they don't lose their funding, so the hospital is happy, which means he's got all kinds of favor, which means he can take a trip to England. They don't even mess his PTO, right? It's a good day. But uh, in America, we only get like two weeks paid vacation. It's a, it's a crime, isn't it? Okay, that's not the revelation of the meeting. Hold on. People are like, two weeks? Pray for us. So Caesar gets moved to wound care, and wounds start healing faster. And Caesar's got this one patient where the doctor comes to him on a Thursday and says, hey, I want you to prepare this man. We're going to amputate his foot on next Tuesday. Um, he's got chronic wounds. He's had diabetes that's cut off circulation. He's, he, he's got um, uh, chronic and severe wounds. They're getting ready, getting ready to amputate his foot. He probably hasn't walked on his foot for eight to ten years. Um, and uh, if you're squeamish, don't look. But I have pictures. Um, so this is, the, the doctor comes and talks to Caesar and says, hey, we need to amputate this foot. And Caesar says, hey, what if you gave me 30 days? And the doctor goes, hey, these are chronic wounds. Like 30 days aren't gonna help. They're not gonna make a difference. And Caesar says, hey, if it's not gonna make a difference, why don't you give me 30 days? And what this doctor doesn't know is that every time Caesar comes, oh, every time Caesar comes in and measures a wound and cleans it, and changes the dressing that Caesar's praying over these feet. So, so day one happens, that's day one. Day 15, day 30. Come on. Day 35, the man is discharged, walking on his foot for the first time in eight to 10 years. How many of you know that's just the kingdom of God breaking in? Let me give you one of my other favorite stories. Uh, and, and this will maybe bring it home for some of us. Because th- does that, some of this stuff just sound a little scary, right? It's everyday, ordinary people. It's school teachers, and it's nurses, and it's uh, people that, that are students. God will use students to do it. He'll use anybody to do it, right? Uh, and, and my favorite story, though, and this is honestly, honestly my favorite story, uh, is from our friend Kathy. And our friend Kathy um, is scared of the stuff. She doesn't want to do the stuff, but she wants to do the stuff. If Maybe some of you can relate to that. I'm not going to do it, but I kind of want to do it. Um, she decides, you know what, like, I, I can't come to HOTS and pray for people. Um, I, I don't want to pray for sick people because I don't want to get sick, is what she says. And what she decided to do is... Um, She's just going to go to the grocery store because she knows people are going to spend some time in there. So what she does is she gets a shopping cart, and when people go in the grocery store, she kind of stalks them around until she works up the courage to approach and talk to them, right? Sometimes she acts like she's shopping and then leaves a cart full of stuff. I don't know. We should to talk to her about that. Um, but she spends 30, 40 minutes following some, stalking someone around the grocery store and waiting for the Lord to give her enough courage, not necessarily even speak to her. She would say God doesn't speak to her. And until she begins to go up and approach somebody. And uh, she tells my favorite story ever. Is she's in the grocery store uh, one day, and she goes down the frozen food aisle, and there's this man who's probably in his mid to late 80s um, looking at the frozen dinners, and she feels like the Lord says, I want you to touch that man. And she's like, nope. <laughs> Not going to do that. And all the while, she says she doesn't hear God speak. So she uh, decides to kind of boogie off out of the, the section, and she... Um, she feels like she gets around the corner. And she goes, no, I want you to go back and I want you to touch that man. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And she, uh, she, she goes back and he's not in the frozen food aisle. She goes a few aisles over and, and he's on like the toilet paper aisle, bath tissue, sorry. Um, and she, uh, she walks up to him and she goes, excuse me, sir, can I, this is gonna sound really, no, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Before she touches him, she does one of these where she puts her hand on his shoulder and just reaches beyond him. I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, I got what I needed and walks away. She's like feeling pretty proud of herself. I touched a man. I did what the Lord said. 
It's the spirit of the word. I'm good. And she gets, starts to walk away and she says, she felt like the Lord says, no, I want you to go touch. I want you to go hug that man. Complete stranger, right? She's going to end up on some website somewhere or something. So she, she muscles up the courage and she walks up to this man and she says, hey, I'm so sorry. Um, but can I please give you a hug? And you can imagine this 80 year old man kind of looks at her and he thinks about it. And the old man begins to hug her and he melts, just tears and snot everywhere um, and melts in her arms. And it's uh, what, what he, as, as he's through his tears and through his weeping, he says, you're the first human being I've touched since my wife passed away eight years or eight months ago. And that's the kingdom of God breaking in. That's the kingdom of God breaking in at Tesco's or Asda or wherever you shop, Marks and Spence for the fancy people. Like, <laughs> it's the kingdom of God just breaking in in the ordinary, everyday stuff. And, and here's the thing. If he'll use a Kathy, he'll use you. If he'll use Caesar, he'll use you. If he'll use Mark Keemer, oh, this is another good story. I'm so sorry. I have to tell this one. I didn't plan on telling this one. We've got, we've got a, a guy named Mark in our church. He's a, a music teacher for second, third, and fourth graders, so it's like ages seven to 10. Yeah? Yeah. There doesn't sound like a much worse job in the world to me, but... Uh, California schools, like, you can't share faith at all. So what Mark decided to do, because he wants to, like, begin to, like, see these kids flourish and be blessed and grow, uh, he decided what he's going to start doing is prophesying over them. But he can't tell them that God said something. So what he's began to do is he begins to, every, every school year, he looks up the kid's name, writes down what their name means, and then at the beginning of the school year, he stands them up, and he says, hey, Johnny, do you know your name means the gift of God? That everywhere you go, you're just going to be a gift to people? And then he begins to tell uh, Sophia, Sophia, do you know your name means wisdom? People are gonna come to you for help because you're wise. And these kids begin to stand a little taller and he's been a teacher for a number of years and he says his first years of teaching, the classrooms were crazy, test scores were, were low and now as he's begin to prophesy over these kids and speak God's truth over these kids, they begin to grow and they become strong and they become confident and they're nice to each other in their classrooms and their music's better. That's the kingdom of God breaking in. If he can do that, surely you can do it. Trust me, I've met Mark. If you met Mark, you would think you could do it. <laughs> he's amazing, but he's ordinary. And that's just what Jesus did is, is he stands, uh, the book of Mark opens and Jesus calls his disciples. He says, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he calls the ordinary. He calls the marginalized. He calls the forgotten. And then he says, hey, here are the kings, keys of the kingdom. Go and do it. And that's what Jesus is doing this morning in the room. Is he saying, hey, here's some keys. Here's some stories. If you don't have a story, take our stories. Go and do it. He's not looking for somebody else to do it. You're actually God's plan A. You're the local church. Jesus wasn't looking and waiting for the smarter people, the better dressed people, like the more articulate people to walk in the room. He's waiting for you to do it. He's waiting for you to do it at Tesco's. He's waiting for you to do it in your law firm. He's waiting for you to do it in your church. He's waiting for you to do it everywhere. And, and I hope um, what you can take from our story is for years and years, Karen and I lived for ministry time. I love ministry time. The band plays low and the lights are dark and people are crying and if they're from the vineyard, they fall and all those fun stuff, right? But I lived Sunday to Sunday for ministry times and then I learned went to Ireland and I learned actually I don't have to live Sunday to Sunday because every day is an adventure and everywhere I go, ministry goes with me. And everywhere you go, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God will go with you. And if you're willing to let a little risk and step out of the boat, you're gonna see amazing things happen. Don't you want that? I want that. 